Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Ezekiel 34, 16. Y'all hear me say this every single week. Ezekiel 34, 16. God says, I will look for those that are lost, bring back those that have strayed away, bandage those that are injured, and strengthen those that are sick. Man, that's our purpose here at Save the Cowboy. We ride to look for the lost. We bring back those that have strayed away. We bandage those that are injured and doctor those that are sick. So if you feel like you've lost your way, this is the place for you. If you've strayed away from the man or woman you think that God has called you to be, if you think in your heart, man, I just I thought that there was something more. This is the place. This is where we're going to tell you what that more is. If you've been injured, if your heart is hurt or your life seems to be in shambles, this is the place for you. And if you are sick of chasing the dollar, it, you know, that American dream, man, all you need is just a bigger house and a better horse and a bigger arena and your life is going to be magically better. And you have realized that that's not the case at all. I actually read, a, I'm reading a book right now called uh, Yawning at Tigers. And we'll actually talk about some of the concepts in this book today. But um, there was an interview with Tom Brady and on 60 Minutes. And they said, you've won three Super Bowls. He said, yeah. He said, you're married to the Brazilian supermodel Giselle Bunchen." He's like, yeah. And they said, you must have everything. And he said, if this is everything, man, it's for nothing. I said, what do you mean? And he said, I, even I think there's got to be more to life than this. This is a, a Super Bowl winning quarterback. You know, the dude looks like me and Ty. He's all chiseled and good looking. And I mean, not all of us, you know, not all of you can say that, you know. But um, God bless Kathy and Christy. And um, uh, yeah, <laughs> sorry about that, honey. And, uh, but anyway, you know, and, and they said, the interviewer said, so if this isn't it, what is it? He said, I wish I knew. Man, I know. Come on, Tom Brady, come to service here. I'll tell you what it's all about. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. God, <laughs> I was laying in bed the other night and Christy asked me something and I said, she goes, you kind of seem in a funk. And I was like, yeah, I, I am kind of in a funk. And she said, well, what's going on? And I said, God just keeps asking me to grow, <laughs> you know? And, and, and she goes, boy, I get that. And, you know, growth is hard. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter how long you've been following God, whether maybe you'll start riding for him today. May, maybe, maybe you've been doing it for a long time, but it doesn't get easier because God continues to push us and push us and push us and challenge us. And, and it doesn't get easier. We just get stronger. And, you know, everybody, people think that uh, the Bible says God won't give you anything more than you can handle. And people say, well, he must think I can handle a lot, right? But that, that's not the actual verse. It doesn't say God won't give you anything more than you can handle. It actually says God won't give you anything more than he can handle. So th there's a difference. But um, th there's been something I've been working on, and it just amazes me how God speaks to me through the cowboy way of life. And... Um, Ty has been a mentor to me. I've been a mentor to him in, in a lot of spiritual aspects, and he's been a mentor to me in, in the cowboying aspect. 
And um, not, not, that, not to say that, that I wasn't already a cowboy, but I have enjoyed learning things from Ty because he comes from a different part of the country. They did things differently. And I love to learn different ways. I mean, you know, down in Texas, it's, a, you know, it's kind of that ranch rodeo mentality. If you got to rope something, you chase it down and you knock it down and you doctor it. Ty's got a different way. It's a little slower, it's a little calmer, and you know, in a lot of ways it's better, but sometimes you still got to chase something down and rope it and knock it down. That's not, it's, it's not a criticism of a different types of ways, it's just a different type of mentality. And so I've been trying to get my horse, uh, my horsemanship level up, and, and I've been working on a lot of these things about, you know, collection and, and all of this, and Ty finally told me one day, he goes, well, I see what the problem is, and I said, what? And he goes, you don't know how to ride a horse. I was like, what are you talking about? Which, you know, I know Ty's not ever going to be uh, intentionally ugly. And so I knew that there had to have been a, a, a reason he said that. And so I asked him, well, well, explain it to me. And he said, you're just sitting up there. And I said, you know, I said, I've got both feet in the stirrups. You never, you never see me with my leg kicked over to the saddle horn and stuff like that. I rode too many broncs. <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> you know, you want to get bucked off and hurt real bad, do that, and especially on a gentle horse. I've seen people pile-drived and hurt real bad. I mean, it's always hands on the reins, both feet in the stirrups, sitting down in the you know, saddle and everything. And he's like, you're just, but still, you're just sitting up there with your feet in the stirrups, and, and sure, you may not, you may be as sticky as they come, but just because you're sticky doesn't mean you're riding. And I said, okay, explain it to me, sensei. And so <laughs> he told me, he said, he said, you got, your horse is going to mirror the energy you put into it. And I said, okay, show me. And so he, he shows me how to, to feel every single step that that horse takes, every single step. And he goes, okay, yeah, I, I want you to move the horse's left front leg you know being from texas we move horses with two ways our feet and the reins and he goes no move it with your body and so i just kind of leaned forward and a little bit on that left side she took a step forward and so i've been practicing in all of this day working that i've been doing i've been practicing riding my horse instead of just sitting up there and it's amazing how no longer do i have to kick her to go no longer do i have to pull on the reins to have her stop with my energy I can ride and, and I can get her moving and I can just sit down and, was that me or somebody else? Anyway, I, I can sit down and she'll stop, you know, and I'll, and I'll be riding along and, and I, okay, energy, energy, you got to ride your horse, you got to ride your horse and then squirrel and I'll figure out I've been for 150 yards, I've just been sitting there and it just amazes me how my attention is just, you have to really really pay attention to ride. Now, if you haven't, if you don't ride very often, if you were to come day work with me and Ty or Dale or, or Dwight or, or Carl or any of these other, the Bull Jacks, if you want to come day work with us and you don't ride very often, if you ride for two or three days in a row, you're going to be sore. If you just sit up there, you're going to be sore. I ride all the time. And that first day that I rode with all the energy and everything, I felt like somebody had hit me with a baseball bat. It was hard, hard work, but I'm getting better at it. And it, it's not something better that somebody, you can't even tell that Ty does that when he rides. You can't tell when somebody's actually riding. I mean, there's no like telltale sign, but there is some results of it. Uh, Ty had about 
12 uh, yearlings at his house, and we've doctored them twice now. And I've been roping over there, doctoring these cattle. We weren't, we, I mean, we were practicing, don't get me wrong, with roping, but we, there was a purpose to it. And used to, I didn't want to go in and head anything because I'd go in there and try to head something and I'd get in a wreck and I'd have to pull Fiona around and we'd just get in a big old wreck and Todd yell at me in good ways, you know. But, you know, I'd get yelled at for this and that and this and that. And so secretly inside, I was like, I, you know, I know I need to go practice, but there was like a dread in my heart. Well, when I started writing, something amazing happened. My roping improved 100-fold. My roping improved 100 times. After the first time we doctored those cattle, Ty actually rode up to me and asked me this question, and he wasn't just being funny. He said, did you miss today? He didn't remember, and I missed twice. I said, yeah, I missed twice. But all day of roping, I only missed twice. I didn't suddenly become a better roper. What happened is me and my horse became one. It wasn't a re- my better roping wasn't a reward for riding. It was the result of my riding. No longer did I have to fight Fiona this way and this way and with legs and you got 60 foot of rope in your hand and you got a critter on the end of it that's going blah, 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 you know, in a circle and it's just crazy. No longer was I fighting against all of that, but me and my horse, now we were as one. No different than going out there and roping that dummy. It didn't matter if I was roping the dummy or roping a critter. It was still the same thing because now me and the horse were one. I was no longer a passenger. I was a participant. There's a big difference because a lot of you that go out there and run, and and this isn't a criticism because I was there just a few weeks or probably months ago, you're just a participant. You're just a participant in your ride. Sure, you may have a little bit of control. You pull back, go left, go right, spur, or, you know, jerk on the reins of your life. But you're just a, you're a passenger in life, not a participant in life. And the, the same thing can be said of God. I don't, no longer do I want you to be a passenger on this ride for God. I want you to be a participant in your ride for God. My roping improved 100-fold, but, but I was not greater. I was not better than Ty. I wasn't better than Sean or Chad or Kevin or any of these other guys. I'm no better roper than any of you out there, despite what your skill level is. I was not greater. I just found the groove. There's a biblical word for being in the groove. It's called blessed. It's called blessed. Now, I want to tell you some things about the term blessed, okay? I used to use this word incorrectly, okay? Blessed does not mean things are going your way. Blessed does not mean that you are happy, okay? I hear people all the time, you know, they're walking around, you're like, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm blessed. <laughs> Whew, I'm blessed. They start thinking that blessed means that they're happy. Blessed does not mean that you're going to be happy. Blessed means you're in the groove. Blessed is not a reward. Many people think that God just doles out blessings, and if you've got a bigger car, that that you've somehow been blessed by God more, that you've got the living quartered horse trailer, that you've been blessed by God. No, that's not the case by any means. Blessed does not mean that you have got a bigger reward. Blessed is not a reward. It's a result of being in the groove with God. Blessed is not being a passenger on God's gold train. That's not it at all. Blessed 
is being a participant in God's favor. Blessed is being in the groove. That doesn't suddenly mean that you become better than somebody. You're not greater than somebody. It doesn't give you the right to look down your nose at anybody. It just means you're in the groove and you're doing things the way God says to do them. Being blessed by God. The true definition of blessed, not this prosperity stuff. You know, you're not blessed because you live in the United States. You got lucky. Okay, we're not, we're not, we're not somehow win some, uh, we, we did win some cosmic lottery because we, you know, we're not, none of your kids are starving to death in Africa. You've never had a child die of, of hunger in your arms. You got lucky because you know what? God calls those people that that's happened to, he says that they're blessed. Wait a minute. How could somebody that's going through such a hard time be blessed and not you? See, being blessed by God is actually pretty simple, and the way you do it is going to blow your mind. I've been to zoos. I've been to zoos, and you walk around, and you see the elephants, and man, you can go to Colorado Springs and get, you, know, you can get within a tongue strike of those giraffes over there in, in Colorado Springs, and you can go, and, and you can see the lions. And, and one of the things that, that uh, I'm probably most afraid of on land is a bear. Now, I'm probably not going to run into a lion in Colorado, but I could run into a bear, and anything that can run faster than a horse and eat you, I really don't want to meet one of those out in the wild. I had a, whenever I worked in Texas, I, one of my bosses uh, went bear hunting in, in Canada, and he told me the story that, you know, they, they went to this ranch and they had the outfitter and, uh, Anyway, this guy goes and he hunts and he's sitting up in this tree stand, going to get him a big black Canadian bear. And uh, they, I guess they grow really big down up there. I, I, I don't know. I've never been there. But anyway, he's sitting there hunting and he's been there all day and the sun's starting to set. And so, uh, it, you know, it's time to go home. The, the sun is going to come pick him up on a four-wheeler, little ATV, whatever you want to call it. The, sun, the, the rancher's son is fixing to come get him. He said, hey, I'll be there at you know, 6.30, whatever the, whatever the time was. And he hadn't seen anything all day long. And so he goes to get down, and instead of putting his backpack on, I don't think they were, he was that high up in the tree. Instead of putting his backpack on, he just grabbed his backpack off the next tree that was you know, just right there on a nail. He took it and dropped it. Little did he know that a mama bear and her cub had just come underneath his tree, and his backpack hit that cub right in the head and ran up the tree right next to him. Mama came up his tree. So the only thing between death and him is this little square piece of expanded metal. Now it's illegal to shoot a mama bear that has a cub, right? So this guy's kind of a, you know, he doesn't really know what to do. He is scared beyond measure. Well, here comes the son. Well, what he ends up doing is he knocks the, he knows that the mama's trying to get to the cub, so he knocks the cub out of the tree. The, Cub runs into the deal, and Mama goes down and goes in a bush right there, and he can hear her. Here comes the rancher's 13-year-old son on an ATV. And he pulls right up to where that bear is. And the guy is screaming at him, and he kind of shuts it off, and he goes, what? He goes, there's a bear right behind you. And the kid just fires it up, and he takes off, and he turns, and there's the Mama Bear coming right at him. And he, he, uh, 
slams on the brake, he puts it in reverse, and he's driving in reverse in a circle in this little clearing yelling, Shooter! 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 We laugh, but that bear was fixing to eat that boy. And he's keeping her in the headlights because it's dark. The bear ended up running off. Thank goodness that nobody died. But you know what? Seeing a bear... You go to the zoo and you see the nice little bear and it all waddles around. You see the polar bear and it, you know, there was a video the other day of a polar bear is like cub fell in the water and the mama bear jumped in. That's like, oh, it's cute. It's cute. That bear that was chasing that 13 year old boy in that four, on that four wheeler, that was not a cute bear. It was not a cute bear. People lined up to take pictures of bears at the zoo is nothing compared to driving as fast as you can in reverse with little bitty old four-wheeler headlights on a bear that's trying to eat you. Being blessed by God is actually pretty simple. It's actually pretty simple, but it's gonna blow your mind of how you do it. Here's how you do it. You've got to become dangerous. You've got to become dangerous. Why? Because God is dangerous. God cannot be controlled. You know, uh, unfortunately, we have this idea of God that, that most churches, it, it's like a zoo setting. We go in to see the nice little God on the other side of the deal where there's this, where we'll be safe and we can, oh, look at how pretty he is. Look at how majestic God is and everything. But, but you know what? The, the God in the Bible is not like that. He's not like Smokey the bear at the zoo. He's not like an animal on the other side of a plexiglass that's just laying there to, for you to admire. God is dangerous. God cannot be controlled. God does not play by your rules. God is not going to act the way you think he should act. Look at your own lives. How many times do we say, how could God do this? Why would God do this? God does not play by your rules. He plays by his rules and his rules are perfect and just. We may not understand them, but just because we don't understand or just because we disagree does not make God wrong. He does not play by any rules except his own and they are perfect. God doesn't care if you get mad at him. Did you know that God is a big boy? He doesn't care if you get mad. He doesn't care if you read some of your Bible and you don't like what it says. He really doesn't care if you like it or not. His way is just. His way is right. His way is perfect. You know, God lets me suffer the consequences of my stupid decisions. I wish he didn't, but wouldn't it be nice? Just be able to go through life and make stupid decision after stupid decision, stupid decision, and we never have to suffer the consequences, but God loves us so much that he will let you suffer the consequences of your bad decisions. God refuses to be tamed. He refuses to be put on display. He will not be manipulated. God will not be controlled, and God will not be coerced. You see, God is dangerous. Some examples of God being dangerous, and this is the side, man, you know, people love, they, they want to say, man, let's talk, about, let's talk about how God loves us. Let, let, let's talk about how, how God, you know, he forgave us even when we sinned. And all of that is true. But you know what? There's a tail sides to the coin. See, God is dangerous. Here's some examples. Do you think it was a panda bear stuffed bear God 
that killed the entire Egyptian army that wanted to harm his kids? Was it, was it this teddy bear of a God that split the Red Sea, allowed his kids to go across it, and then caved the waters in on those that were trying to harm his boys and girls? You know, and, and even after they got through the Red Sea, they got to the, to the bottom of Mount Sinai where God gave uh, Moses the Ten Commandments, and, and God didn't appear in the form of a nice little Care Bear unicorn. It said that the mountain shook with fire and lightning. And then after that, when Moses came down, some of the people rebelled and said, you know what? We're, we're just as good as you are and we're not going to follow you anymore and blah, blah, blah. And in, in, in Numbers chapter 16, verse 21, God says this to Moses, separate yourselves from these people. Then I can put an end to them once and all, once and for all. And God opened up the ground and 250 people were swallowed alive. See, God can be dangerous. He is dangerous. And He does love us with a fierceness and a perfect love that we could never, never fathom. But we could never, ever control it, manipulate it, coerce it, tame it, or put it on display. Hey, pardon me for just a second. We're fixing to hit the back side of this pasture, so it's time to step off and cinch them up. While we're down here, I want to see if you can help us out. We really do need a hand in this ministry, and the fact that you're listening right now means that you're riding with us. All you have to do is text SAVE THE COWBOY, all one word, to 77977, and you can help us out in less time than it would take to pull your rope down. Again, text SAVE THE COWBOY, all one word, to 77977. That's SAVE THE COWBOY to 77977. Thanks for the hand, pards. You know, one time they were walking along and the Ark of the Covenant, they had to put poles because nobody could touch it because if you even touched it, you died. Not because God killed you, but because it was holy. And it was so holy that if anything sinful touched it, they died. It was a blinding holiness. One man reached out, it started to tip over and the guy was trying to be good and he reached out to steady it and the second he touched it, he fell down dead. In Exodus 33, 20, God himself says, no one can see me and live. That's the mighty, awesome God that we serve. Ananias and Sapphira in the New Testament. People say, oh, well, you're just talking about the Old Testament and that God was mean and bad. No, He wasn't. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is the same God. There's a, two people, Ananias and Sapphira, that said, you know what? The early church is forming. They need some money. We've got some land. We're going to go sell the land and we're going to give all the money to the church. They said, great. They went and sold the land, realized it was a lot of money, and kept some for themselves and came back and said, here it is. Peter said, is that all of it? They were like, yeah, that's all of it. And they fell down dead. See, make no mistake about it. God cannot be mocked. That's biblical. And we can talk about the love of God and how much He, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Absolutely love that. Love it. Cherish it. Hang on to it. But God is dangerous. He's amazing. He's not something that we put on our mantle and, 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 give, and, and, and give this like, oh, hey, God. No, this is the fire that moves mountains. This is the, the, this is the being that, that spoke the world into existence. This is the, 
He, he could end everything with just a single thought. He is so much mightier than we ever, ever. If you start to think about it, you kind of get that feeling. Daniel, the prophet Daniel in the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah, the disciple John, they all came into the presence of God and these were the most godly people on earth at the time. When they came into the presence of God, they fell down like they were dead. They could not behold just being in God's presence. Just as I said that being blessed is being in the groove, being in the groove, be blessed. Being in the groove is pretty simple. And here it is. It's in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. You've heard it. I would say nearly everybody has heard it. They've even said the word. Now, they've used it vastly. I've used it vastly out of context before. But here is the way to be in the groove. You've got to be dangerous. And the way you're dangerous is found in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, where Peter is quoting Leviticus 20, 26. You, there's Leviticus 20, 26. You, God talking. You, not, not the person sitting next to you or behind you or in front of you. He's saying you. You are to be holy because I am holy. And it is that holiness that makes God so dangerous. And it is that holiness that will make you the most dangerous person on the planet. Because see, that's what God wants. He wants us to be dangerous. He says it right there. Be holy because I am holy. Now, I'm not saying that we're going to go kill a bunch of people. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that that holiness, that light that we talk about reflecting in our lives, it's that holiness that was so dangerous to the people. It's that holiness that actually killed the guy that touched it because it was pure and unfiltered holiness. And our sinful selves couldn't even stand the touch of it. It incinerated him or killed him on contact. But God wants us to be holy too. And if you're going to be holy, you are going to be dangerous. You're going to be dangerous to the ways of this world. You're going to be dangerous to the people that live next door to you because you are going to challenge their ideals. You're going to tell them that the way that they are living their lives, that, that this pursuit of money and, and, and the constant pursuit of, of, of sinful earthly things will lead to nothing. You are going to... If you are going to be dangerous, your world is going to be turned topsy-turvy, upside down. Your world is going to be filled with danger. Go read all of these prophets. Most of them were killed. Go read every disciple except one was killed for their faith. This is not some Care Bear Skittle-covered unicorn where we get to just and hug and kiss and hand out little pamphlets to everybody. God called us to be dangerous. He says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, Peter says, For God said, Be holy because I am holy. But see, m most of us, you know, we have a different version of holy. What's the, what's the favorite? Why do people look down on Christians so bad? Because they say, Oh, that's just one of those holier-than-nows. 
That is so far from the truth and that is so far from the, from the actual term of holiness that, that it doesn't even hardly make sense. Being holy doesn't mean being a goody two-shoes. Being holy doesn't mean that, that we're never going to make a mistake or we're never going to miss a head loop. Being holy means that we are dangerous and we are in the groove because we are there as a participant with God down here, not just some guy riding along on a trail ride of, let's take God's chapter one trail today. No, we're going to be living this trail. We're not going to go back to our safe homes. We're going to ask God to take us into the wilds. We're going to ask God to use us in ways that might threaten our very lives. Even Jesus said, don't worry about those that can take your life. Worry about the one who can take your soul. Jesus said, our, or Paul said, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the evil rulers and spiritualities of this world. It's dangerous out there, and he called you to be dangerous in there. But in order to do that, I'm not saying that you've got to be holy, that you're going to walk around like this, saying, God bless you to everybody. I'm not saying be some pansy religious person. I'm saying you want to be a dangerous cowboy or cowgirl for Christ. You need to be a participant with God, not just a passenger on His train to glory. He wants us riding out there. You know, uh, He wants us to, to, to not even pack anything, just saddle up and go out into the country and, and make disciples of all men and all nations, gathering the strays and the remnants. And some of us aren't going to make it out alive. And how glorious will that be? People come to God because they think that, oh, He'll make my life better. No, He won't. He'll turn it upside down, but He will make you into something that you never dreamed was possible. Becoming like God. Be holy because I am holy. It's the opposite of pansy. It's the opposite of weakness. It's power and it's strength. Unfortunately, most people don't see God as dangerous. They don't like to think about that part of it. They want the zoo God that they can see and admire and watch a feeding. Hey, watch, we'll throw this out there and God will come out and eat it. Feed it. We want to buy a shirt with a cross on it saying we saw God. Because that's what being a Christian is, is wearing a cross around your neck or wearing it on our shirts. It has nothing to do with it, man. If you wear that cross, you ought to be the most dangerous person in America. They don't want to swim. Most people don't want to swim in an open ocean of God, but in a fake lagoon with sea turtles and dolphins without the risk of being eaten by the great white shark. God did not call us to run laps in a swimming pool where it's all safe and sound. He called us to be dropped off in the middle of the ocean and go save people that are being eaten by great white sharks. When there's a feeding frenzy, he says, jump in and save them. And you're going to say, but I can't do that. And he said, I know I'm going to be there with you because I want you to be a participant with me, not a passenger on my boat watching whale watching great white feedings while, while the devil eats people alive. Bible says the devil goes around like a roaring lion seeking somebody to devour. And you know who he's called to save them? You, because you're dangerous. They want to be called a lion, but they don't want to come face to face with one in the slums of Africa or India or in a sex brothel where you go try to, to, to rescue little girls that are in a sex trade. There's, there's Christians around the world right now that are going and saving these people by wearing hidden cameras going into these brothels to catch these bad guys. That's who God called you to be. Maybe not in that circumstance, but he's called every one of us to be that dangerous to the devil and the devil's plans. And you do that by being holy. And the result of being holy is being blessed.
blessed. Not that you're, you got a big, nice house and you got a nice car, you got a new horse or a new saddle, or you can rope hundred head without missing. Now, being blessed means you're dangerous. A lot of people want the strength of God as long as it comes with happiness and comfort and skittles. That's not following God, man. That, 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 that's looking at God in the zoo setting of being safe and sound. God did not call us to be safe and sound. He called us to be dangerous. Becoming like Him. He said, be holy because I am holy. How do we do that? How do we do that? If you have your Bibles or if you have our Save the Cowboy app, which I, every single one of you that have a, a, a smartphone, you can go to your app store, download Save the Cowboy. There's a Bible app right there. You can go to Psalm 15 or if you have your Bibles. Psalm 15. This is what David says. I'm just going to read it real quick and we'll end. Oh Lord, who may stay in your tent? Who can be a participant with you, God? That's what he's saying. Who can be a participant with you? Not who's going to be a passenger who's going to walk by and look at the nice, dangerous animal and go about their business. He says, who can live in your tent? Who can be a participant with you? He says, who may live on your holy mountain? He didn't say who can visit your holy mountain and then go back to what they were doing yesterday. He says, who can leave everything behind and go live on your holy mountain? What David is telling us, God is telling us through David. Some examples, not the only way. He's just giving a broad view of his character, God's character. And this is what he says. O Lord, who may stay in your tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? The one who walks with integrity, does what is righteous, and speaks the truth within his heart. The one who does not slander with his tongue to do evil to a friend or bring disgrace on his neighbor. The one who despises those rejected by God, but honors those who fear the Lord. The one who makes a promise and does not break it, even though it might hurt him. The one who does not collect interest on a loan or take a bribe against an innocent person. And listen to this right here. If you hadn't heard anything else, man, listen to this right here. Who can live in your tent? Who can participate in your holiness? Who can ride and live up on your holy mountain? He lists all these great character traits of God. And then he says, whoever does these things will never be shaken. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. You will be like a rock. But in order to become like that rock, that mighty oak that can withstand any storm, you have got to be holy. You have to participate in God's holiness. You have to become dangerous. You want to be dangerous? You've got to be holy. There is no other way. Walk in integrity and do what is right. That's what Psalm 15 said. Walk in integrity, do what is right. See, Christianity has suddenly become something like, I don't do the things that are wrong. That's not Christianity. That's morality. Walk in integrity and do what is right. In other words, do the right thing, not just stay away from the bad things. Walk in integrity and do what is right. Speak the truth. Speak the truth. You want to be dangerous? Tell the truth according to God's word, not your opinion. you got to speak the truth. Do not talk bad about people or bring disgrace on your neighbor. I'm just as guilty as that as anybody. You know, we'll be going along out, well, you know that person, man. It's just, they're hard to deal with. And, and we need to cut that out. You can think that all you want, and maybe they are, but if you have a complaint against somebody, talk to God about it. Leave it off your lips when you're talking to your buddies or anybody else for that matter. Shut my mouth. Do not talk bad about people or bring disgrace on your neighbor. Quit idolizing those that speak and act against God 
and make heroes of the ones that live according to God. We, we, we look at people that are no more following God than anything, and we make them the ones that we admire. Man, those people that are doing that, man, they're following the world. And I'm not saying this that I don't know about Tom Brady. But quit idolizing him. Start idolizing the people in the Bible, those that walked in integrity and those that, that followed God with everything that they had, those that gave their lives for the faith. How about you try idolizing those people instead of these famous people? I idolize some of you out there because I see you doing this. Keep your word, even if it kills you. That's what it says right there. It says, the one who makes a promise and does not break it, even though he is hurt by it. Keep your word, even if it kills you. If you say you're going to do something, do it. I can tell you the first result of that is when you start doing exactly what you say you're going to do, you'll quit doing everything you said you'd be doing. I guarantee you. You'll start telling people no when it starts hurting whenever you keep your word. Ananias and Sapphira, they gave their word. They paid for it with their lives, and it wasn't a good thing. Keep your word. Quit looking to earn interest on your loans. A lot of people are like, well, I, you know, I don't loan money out to anybody. This is what that means. In other words... Quit looking to see how you will benefit from helping people. If you go out there just to help somebody to see that God is going to bless you for helping, you're not going to get anything. Quit looking for interest on your loans. You start helping people because God helps people. You be holy because He is holy. You love them with the same unconditional love that He loves you. And if you think that is easy, you are sadly mistaken. But if you can do that, you will be the most dangerous person in the world. And that's the type of people that are going to make it to heaven. Dangerous people, courageous people that have chosen to forsake the world and that will go out and they will live a holy life. They won't be goody two-shoes. They, they, they won't be this person that says God bless you on everything and just never does anything wrong. No, they're going to be fierce about their faith. They're going to be courageous in what they do for God. They're going to be dangerous. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. Just like writing, you have to pay attention and be holy. Be dangerous every single minute of the day. You're, you're, you're going to leave here and you're going to be kind of fired up. At least I hope you are. You're going to be fired up. And you're going to, yeah, I'm going to be dangerous when I walk out of here. I told Ty this morning, first thing I said to him is I said, is it okay if I'm fired up about my own sermon? He's like, you should be. Well, I am, man. I'm, I'm real fired up about it. I'm ready to start a new chapter in my life. I'm ready to go out and be dangerous, and I want every single one of you to go with me. I want to turn Elbert County on its head. I want to turn your own family on its head. I want you to go with me. And it's not going to be easy. It's like riding with our energy that we have to concentrate on being holy, be resembling the characters of God, courage, honesty, respect, integrity, strength, truth. It's not easy. You're going to go, yeah, I'm going to do that, and you're going to... Do it for like 45 seconds and then squirrel. But as soon as you realize that you're not doing it anymore, go back to it. And your lives are going to increase a hundredfold. Those who do this will never be shaken. It's hard at first, but you will become one with God. You will be a participant with God. For the first time in your life, you'll be a participant, not a passenger. On a religious train, you'll be on a ride with the holy God, the dangerous God. You will no longer... Uh, be a petty passenger, but a dangerous participant. You will be blessed by God, not as a reward for your actions, but as a result of them, you will be in the groove. The world has enough pansy religious followers. Become a dangerous man or woman or child of God today. Be holy because I am holy. That's what God's message is to you today. Be holy because I am holy. This isn't something we do on Sunday mornings. This is something that we are going to do for the rest of our lives. 
and into eternity. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be pretty. It's going to be hard. It's going to be amazing. Be holy because I am holy. And one other thing that I'm going to ask you all to hold me responsible for, and I'm going to hold you all responsible for. Let's quit using holy to describe cows. Let's quit using holy to describe crap. And whatever in the world moly is, let's quit using that. Chicken. Let's go to God in prayer. God, help us to live holy lives so we can become as dangerous as you. Fill our families, fill our communities, fill our workplaces, fill our country with unshakable and dangerous people that are set apart to do your pure and perfect will. Help us to have the faith that we need to follow you into the wilds of your word and to be with you. Be with us throughout this journey until we come out on the other side, perfect and eternal with you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us for another clinic. Before you ride off, we have a special gift for you. Save the Cowboy has a brand new app available for iPhones and Android smartphones and tablets. You never have to miss another message, and we've thrown even more stuff in. There's a Bible, our full unedited clinics, Cowboy devotionals, videos. You can even order our books or call and talk to me. That's a ton of stuff that will keep you riding right beside the Lord for years to come. Please download it by searching your app store for Save the Cowboy, and don't forget to lend us a hand if God has blessed you and you like what we're doing. Just text Save the Cowboy to 77977. That's Save the Cowboy to 77977. For Save the Cowboy, I'm Kevin Weatherby. Stay out of the wire.